Welcome to the Two Putt Podcast, part golf, part business. I'm Brian Claude, along with my co-host Lee Nelson. We take a closer look into all things golf and business. We focus mainly on the Des Moines metro area because that's where we live, work, and play. But we aren't afraid to step out of the box and share our opinions on other topics as well. We certainly aren't experts, but we do like to have fun. And we are glad you're along for the journey. Now let's get it. Welcome back, everybody, to episode three of the Two Putt Pod. We're excited for the episode that we have here for you. Um, opportunity to bring on our first guest, uh, a good friend of, of both Lee and I. Um, Nate Perry comes on this episode with us, and we talk shop with him on the business side as well as to get into some really great golf stories. But uh, before we jump into the episode, we did want to talk uh, latest news here on the PGA Tour is obviously the release of uh, tournament dates and what uh, the major schedule and just the schedule in general is going to look like moving forward. I know, Lee, you had a chance to dive into this a little bit. What do you see? What are you, uh, what are you seeing? What are you excited about with the, with the upcoming schedule? Well, definitely a little bit different. Uh, what we made maybe a thought, you know, going into this whole uh, schedule thing, but, you know, everyone's kind of rescheduled everything, but, uh, you know, with the, the British Open calling it quits and, you know, canceling and, and with, with the world that we live in now, I totally understand, but, you know, we do have three majors that, that have been different and uh, um, it's, it's a, it's a pretty big difference. I mean, we talk about pushing things back and how that works and, and now it's just going to be a totally different schedule for everybody. And the, you know, the big thing is the masters, you know, moving back to, to November, which is a, a big difference of what we had before. And, you know, the, uh, the PGA and, and the U S open trying to, to reschedule or postpone what they've done before. And I, I don't, I don't know if it's, it's perfect, but it's definitely better than not playing. Absolutely. Any golf is better than uh, not having golf at all. I think that uh, obviously the big, the headline out of it is the whole idea of having the masters in November. Um, obviously that's going to bring uh, some good and some bad, I think with it. Um, I think the, the biggest thing is it's just, it'll be fun. I think it'll be just for anybody that uh, uh, has watched several masters in April. I think the chance to see what the course looks like in November, how it plays, um, some of the logistical side of things as far as I know one of the big things I noticed is they're going to lose almost two a little over two and a half hours of daylight and so how that's going to affect the schedule what things are going to look like down there um, but on the silver lining I mean if we get a master's in November we're going to turn around and get a master's in April and so uh, the wait in between that uh, will definitely be special but it'll be neat to see what that course looks like in November. Well it'll just be fun for for us as golf fans to to have that tournament whether it's played the time it's supposed to or not but you know the the big thing for us is you know we we don't really know what's going to happen at that point but to have a little bit of end in sight when we do this and um you know we're i don't know what the masters is going to look like in in november and nobody does but certainly if they're going to do that, they know it's going to be uh, – they're going to get the course in tune for, for that time of the year. Yeah, they definitely know what they're doing. I mean, if any place um, can do or can alter a schedule, it's, it's obviously Augusta National and, and their ability to be able to um, almost flip a switch down there. They, I mean, we've all seen the pictures of that in the summer too and how they let the grass go dormant. And uh, it almost seems like it's a turn on, turn off type of deal. Obviously it's a lot more complicated than that, but uh, that's just a feeling that you get. And so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see on, obviously the weather's still something that we don't know um, what the azalea is going to look like, how the dogwood's going to be different, but um, definitely be fun to take a look at that. I think one other thing too that I noted looking at the schedule um, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but we're going U.S. Open Ryder Cup in, in back-to-back weeks, correct? It's either back-to-back or it might be a week in between. 
Yeah, which is going to be crazy. I mean, just the whole idea, obviously, U.S. Open um, and everything that comes with that, but then turning around and having the Ryder Cup. Uh, you know, I did think that that was interesting that they didn't move the Ryder Cup. Um, and so how qualification and how they're going to pick that, I think, is just more a talking point than anything. I think it usually by the time we get um, – you know, halfway through the golf season, uh, most cases it, it, it's pretty determined as far as who uh, is going to be on that team or who should or where where things could go. Captain's picks might get a little interesting this year, but it'll definitely be interesting to see on how that impacts because usually there's quite a bit of time before we get into the Ryder Cup. So the fact that they're playing a major the week uh, or two weeks, whatever it is before, um, will will be interesting to see how that all plays out. Well, and and the biggest thing is we just want to see some golf. And I think we're going to get that. I mean, it just kind of has to play into to how this whole thing works out. And, and we'll get there. And, you know, like we've talked about before, there's not a lot of control that anybody has over this thing. We just, got to, we just want to make sure that, you know, we are playing golf. And, and that's going to be pretty fun for the fans to have all that stuff just bashed in right next to each other. One, I think, too, if there's any sport, obviously is the last couple of days have been good on the as far as the virus goes. If there's any sport that could get back into the swing of things maybe before the other ones, I think that golf can find a way, um, you know, and it really kind of takes one to set the tone. And so you know, if golf can find a way to be able to, you know, whether that is no patrons to begin with um, and then slowly progress into figuring out a way to make sure that obviously the public and the players and everybody is safe, um, but, uh, yeah, we, we definitely are, are, are begging um, and wanting for just live sports, and, and, and especially this time of year in golf, and, and hopefully we're there closer, closer than we might think. Yeah, I, I think we are. I mean, I think if, like you said, golf is one of those sports that you can do things a little bit differently, you know, because of how it's played and, and where the fans are located and, and those types of things. I mean, we're, we're going to get there, and, you know, I think we're – all excited just to see what that looks like but if you can jam pack those different big tournaments into a short amount of time that's gonna be pretty fun yeah it'll be great i mean look at the end of the year like we said u.s open Ryder cup masters and then turn around and it'll be april before we know it back in another masters won't be running down uh the schedule as we expected and so definitely something to look forward to um i think another thing to look forward to uh for all of you guys and our listeners uh as we jump in here to, to, to episode three. We had a lot of fun bringing Nate on. And uh, let's get into it. Great to be back for episode three. Uh, and, the, and the fun part is today we get to have our first guest, um, Nate Perry. Uh, for those of you that don't know anything about Nate, um, he is actually my stepbrother. Uh, we lived together for a, that was really, for a little while. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But we really lived together for like a couple months when he was a junior in high school. When I would have been probably a kindergartner. He's pretty old. Uh, but he, he came to live with us for a couple months to play on the North and Kensett football team because uh, we're good and North Kasuth is terrible. Um, but he ended up going back to North Kasuth, which I, I get it. I, I understand. Um, that's where he graduated from. Played. AAU basketball on what I would consider uh, certainly from a talent level one of the better teams that that Iowa's ever had Nick Collison Kirk Heinrich Kirk Corver Kirk Carver Kyle Corver um and honestly my for my favorite guy was Kurt Spurgeon Nate and that guy was an absolute leaper but um he wasn't that good but he could fly uh it's a pretty good team uh after high school Nate went and played basketball at Iowa Central Nyack and then end up um, finishing his his schooling at the University of Iowa. I actually lived with Nate again after I graduated from college for a couple of years. Uh, I paid him money to live every month, which was about the worst spending of my money ever. And I've spent some money in some pretty bad places. Um, Nate's uh, professional career consisted of you know trade home. And I could be missing some shields, Yonkers, and he is currently working for HH Brown. Uh, he lives in Norwalk uh, and lives with his baby girl, Carrie, and three daughters, Taylor Cohen and Landry. Uh, pretty excited to have him on today. Nate, thanks for being with us. How you doing? Awesome. 
That's a uh, that's a good lead-in. I like that. That was pretty solid. Very solid. Um, yeah, I, you know, at the end of the day, the best AU team uh, probably coming out of the state was Martin Brothers at that time. And uh, thanks for having me, by the way. Um, you know, I could tell you several stories in terms of, of that, which I don't know if you want me to or not, but, um, uh, you know. Well, back then, Martin Brothers was it. I mean, there, there weren't the AAU teams like, we, like right. we have now or like that we see now. Like Martin Brothers, like if you're either good or not. Yeah, I mean, at that point, there were no cell phones for the most part. You know, yeah. I, I had a phone call um, from Hank, which he's still a part of Martin Brothers, um, you know, on a dial-up phone, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so it was just, uh, it was a good time period in terms of being on a team that was unlike any other. Um, <laughs> when you have Nick Collison, Kirk Heinrich, and Kyle Corr on your team, there's not a lot that you have to do after that. <laughs> Look, those guys are really good. I mean, and we're really good for a really long time. Yeah. Yes. I mean, <laughs> they kind of had a nice little NBA career. I mean, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty good. Core was still playing. How about, prof- how about professionally? Did I miss anything in that whole rundown? Well, people that probably are listening to this quickly realize it's obviously a retail background um, and shoes. Yeah, what's H.H. Brown? Tell people what H.H. Brown is. H.H. Brown is actually owned by uh, Berkshire Hathaway, which – People that know Berkshire Hathaway is uh, um, owned by Warren Buffett. And so obviously financially from, a, from that aspect, we're, we're financially sound, if you will. Um, and uh, we own 32 different brands of shoes. And really that's, what are some of those brands that people would know? Because I, I know even myself personally. I mean, born. What else? <laughs> Not a lot of people would know. Um, maybe like nursemates in terms of uh, like for nurses right now. Um, Carolina Footwear, which would be for the work group. Uh, Justin Boots, which would be uh, for the cowboy. Yeah, for Boomer Cowboy. Yeah. Is that a guy's name, Justin Boots? <laughs> Is it named after a guy named Justin? He's probably he's probably got some coin. I don't know. It's down in Texas. I have nothing to do with it. You don't roll in trying to push Justin Boots in your shops or what? No. <laughs> You're just doing the born boogie, right? Yeah. That is a thing. I've actually seen it before. If this is on video, we could watch Nate do it. Well, perfect, Nate. Tell you what, uh, one of the things that we wanted to specifically talk about, and unfortunately we have uh, had to continue to talk about, and hopefully we're coming closer and closer to being in the clear, but uh, is obviously the coronavirus and the impact in which that this has had. Um, I know for your business and what you do, uh, you end up traveling a lot. Obviously, you're not doing that now. Um, how big of an impact has the virus had on your travel? And probably more importantly, what, what do you kind of anticipate as far as moving forward with some of the travel and, um, you're going to do less of it or how do you, how do you see that changing? Yeah. And probably my opening comments, um, I was kind of waiting for that question is my point. My opening comments, uh, didn't suffice what I thought I would do. But with that being said, um, it's, I've known about this for probably since early January in terms of that aspect. Um, What a lot of consumers do not realize when they see a shoe on a shelf or a shoe in a box or whatever it is, we're six to 12 months out of producing that shoe. And um, so we knew about this from, you know, uh, from an, 
from internally, if you will. Um, well, I say January, but I'm going to go back to December based on factories and whatnot. And uh, we own 13 factories in China. I know people will probably balk at, oh, you're in China, da 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 da. Well, 90% of the footwork industries in China. And um, so we knew about this way before a lot of people did. And, you know, I have a funny story um, that. I sent uh, a buddy of mine that works for us uh, in Minneapolis. Um, actually, I wrote this down, guys. On January 9th, and I said, have you seen this Wuhan thing? And he's like, what are you talking about? I go, well, first of all, I go, seriously. I go, I looked up flights from Wuhan to Beijing, to Atlanta. And these people could, not these people, pardon me, anyone that's flying out a flight from Wuhan to Beijing to Atlanta, Georgia, could be here in 16 hours. And he's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I go, the coronavirus that's going on over there, like I've been following it. And I go, you're a Delta hub in Minneapolis. And he had no idea about it. So, you know, we're looking at April 8th right now, right now. And um, I'm not even talking three months ago that people had no clue about it. And from a shoe industry standpoint, like we were, we were really focusing on it because it was impacting, you know, ships, you know, being loaded with product and whatnot and being shipped to the West coast of, of uh California, you know into california um you know there was some lag time based on chinese new year and a lot of people in our culture don't recognize chinese new year and um you know there was so much lag time based on what was going on over there and it was just eventually going to happen here and I'm, I'm not i'm not talking about the virus i'm talking about business and um it was it was just like it was coming there was nothing happening in terms of uh of, of we could prevent it i guess if you will so uh it was very telling you know and i i've been uh, dealing with this for the last probably five months and um and then you put the virus on top of it. Pardon me. The virus is the issue, obviously, and it's very uh, um, it's impacting a lot of people's lives, obviously. And um, so, so let me ask you this then: moving forward, obviously, like you said, there's going to be some lag. And so what do you, what are you guys seeing as far as impact? Are shipments starting to come on time or are you still seeing some lag or where are you guys at as far as getting product over here from China? Yeah, well, anything that left after Chinese or before Chinese New Year obviously is already here. And um, uh, yeah, everything now going forward into July and in August, we're good. The problem is, and I gotta be careful talking this way, I guess, but retailers aren't taking any product right now <laughs> because, you know, there are certain retailers that, not certain, all retailers are closed right now. Brick and mortar, it's closed. And, um, you know, online sales only take so much uh, POs and whatnot. And, um, so it's, it's a tough environment. And, but I will say, being the optimistic that I am, I think, you know, once things start opening up, which based on today and yesterday, um, you know, I, I think, cause we're such a big company that uh, things will start opening up and people are gonna realize that, you know, they need more product because they've canceled. I mean, literally they've canceled everything. From so with, that, with that too, I, I know 
um, you do a lot of B2B. So you're going to obviously you sell to your retailers, as you mentioned, a lot of business to business sales. Um, do you see what, how do you see impacting or how do you see, do you guys have the capabilities to go more direct to consumer and be able to sell right to the consumer or are you guys strictly set up to continue to keep those relationships with? Well, your- it's funny you should say that because, um, we're actually thinking about doing some pop-up shops. I mean, you know, you know, there's Toys R Us that went out of business um, in shipping in X amount of pairs and saying, here's our brand uh, type of deal. Um, we're also doing a lot of, uh, um, yeah, I mean, basically pop-up shops. Like we have to think outside the box, I guess is my point. Because we, we can't take, and I can't tell you the pairs, but um we can't take cancellations and not sell them right and then i mean is there too as far as using social media obviously with the influx of people being at home and being online i mean do you see something where you can take an advantage of social media or influencers or what do you think as far as that and i know you uh, don't know a lot influencers of we've been on for several years and that is good and bad um based on what i've been told you know, I'm not a part of marketing, I guess, if you will, but um, we have certain influencers that have worked for us. Um, but from the social standpoint, you know, it's it's not the volume we're losing from a brick and mortar standpoint. It's, I mean, if I could give you the pairs, I would, but. Um, Keep your job. We understand that we just yeah. like, to, you know, we want to hear a little bit about what's going on, but we get where you're coming from. Right, or right, you right. Could use, so, you could use a fake number like a bajillion. Uh, three bajillion. Go with three bajillion. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's pairs, and maybe that's actual single shoes. I mean, it's all. It's well, all Claude, do you remember going to the back stock of Shields? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I, I slept back there during when I was supposed to be working. Claude, how many pairs of shoes do you think were in the back stock of the athletic part? Just the athletic side, I mean, you probably had 400 pairs of shoes. 400? Yeah. Maybe that's a little exaggeration. There's got to be more than that, isn't there? 400? On the athletic side? Yeah. (laughs) More? How How many different types of shoes were there? For those of you that don't know, we all at one point sold shoes at Shields. Um, those two um, sold them a lot better than I did. I was kind of the uh, – yeah, again, I sat in the back. I wanted to organize some stuff. But if there's if there's 50 – well, if there's, if there's 50 different pairs of shoes, that means there's only eight sizes. Claude, you worked at Shields, right? Uh, yeah, I did. I went back to your You're saying there was only 400, 400 bucks oh, back there? That would be way more than that. Yeah, there was more than that, I guess, now that I think about it. <laughs> we like, did we gotta be, levels. We got to be talking about like five digits, right? <laughs> Apparently, you guys didn't see the POs that I signed off on there. Five digits. I mean, don't you think? I mean, is there, is there not? How many, how many thousands pairs of shoes are there? Like, is there, are there 5,000? Are there 10,000? Here's my problem is when I was selling shoes there, I only dealt with ones over $100. If you were looking at a shoe under oh, $100, for sure. I was going in the back. For sure. Yeah. You, oh. I'll, take, I'll take an Avia. Yeah, you're going to need to find a different salesman because I'm oh. not selling a $39.99 <laughs> pair of shoes. I don't think no Shields carried Avia. If you want to, if you want to, a Kayano, I'll, I'll be the first one there because they don't yeah. ever try those on. They just need no. size 11. Yep. I, I got Kayano Nimbus. I'll go down the ASICs train if they need me to, but I'm not touching any of those other things. Well, yeah, you get two per there. Yeah. Well, yeah. Same thing on the other side, you go on to the casual side. If you're looking at Uggs or some Keens or something, I'll help you out. I'm on born. The born. You gotta be priced right. Those are usually on sale. <laughs> What's, what are those uh, other nurse shoes, those dance goes? I'll sell some dance goes too. Yeah, those they had the big old heels on them. But they were like 150 bucks. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I snuck over to that 
that territory as well if if they needed me. <laughs> hey, quick question, Nate. You talked about you guys having to do stuff outside of the box. Do you guys see that the trend continuing when this is over, or yes. do you kind of go back to what you did before? No. Um. Yeah, everything is changing. And is that a good thing? It's not. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Um, I will tell you that from a um, from a product standpoint, um, and I'm not a part of our product team, but I do know the ins and outs of it. Um, they go on several shopping trips uh, throughout the year, um, going to Europe, going to uh, Am Amsterdam, um, going to um, LA, going to Miami, going to Puerto Rico, and just shopping trends and whatnot. And it's interesting to me that none of that happened this last, you know, obviously four months. And we've not missed a beat in terms of product development. And so I don't know the dollar amount on that, but I know it will probably not happen going forward. So from that standpoint, um, that will not be happening anymore. So is that exciting for you or does that make you a little worrisome that, you know, your, no, your, because, job, your job may not be the same that it was before? No, I mean, here's the deal. Anyone can look up, I mean, Claude, how many pairs of Jordans do you have? But I mean, anyone can look up, well, no, I'm, I'm just being serious. I like a lot. To look up, a lot of pairs of Jordans. Right. And that's my point. Anyone can look up anything on the internet and Google or whatever you want to do. If you want to shop a trend or a color or, you know, whatever, I don't want to bore your people to death with this, but, um, you know, you can really do a lot of work online and granted there's a vibe though, when you are shopping trends, you know, whether it be the customer that's looking at something, um, uh, you are missing that part, but, when it comes down to the product itself, um, you know, you can figure it out, you know, pretty quickly of, of trend shopping and what's going on and, you know, whether it be bloggers, which, you know, those people go in and out and, and whatnot, but, um, uh, but yes, to answer your question, yeah, things will change from an expense standpoint, from a traveling standpoint, from a technology standpoint. Um, yeah, this this is gonna this is gonna be a game changer, in my opinion. But, one, yeah. of the that, one of the things that's interesting with shoes too is that unlike a shirt or a, you know a hoodie or something, I mean it's something that you still need to try on. You know whether or not you buy online, you still need to make sure that the fit's right, and they all kind of run a little bit different. So I think that's one thing that'll be interesting for you guys and your business is obviously people still need to get the product in their hand before they're able to buy. Now, whether or not they rebuy on online or whatever it might be, but like you talked about with those pop-up shots, it's still going to be important that people get the products in their hands. Yeah. Well, Cause in my opinion, you know, I've been in the shoe industry for ever. I, I do turn 40 this year. Um, I thought it was 39, 40. Yeah. Dang. They make mugs for people like you. Yeah. I think they say over the hill or something like that. Yeah. 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 So I, I will say, Claude, uh, disregard what Lee just said. Um, you know, I think the floodgates will open up, I hope, um, in July and August. And from a brick and mortar standpoint, because um, I think people will be itching to just get out and like do stuff, you know? So in terms of the pop-up shops, our thought process is, we're getting ahead of the curve and because people are going to just want to do something, you know, um, you know, whether it's right or wrong or uh, we think it's right and we have the product to do it. And I know people want to get out and do some stuff and, and eat at restaurants and go to the bar, you know, whatever you do, actually, you know, go work out at your club or, you know, whatever, go for that run that you don't normally do during this time period. I mean, I don't know, but. 
Or how about uh, get out and play some golf? That might be something that we definitely need to do. Yeah, actually, um, if you go to my Twitter page, uh, I have a little swing right there. I saw that. Hey, I want to ask you something about Twitter really quick. I, I've dug through your timeline a little bit today just because I was looking for something to do. Why do you do the, the period before your tweets sometimes? Gets more people's attention. The period does? Like <laughs> search it or what? Well, no, because if you if you at somebody, then it just goes to them. So you yeah, but to- but he's not adding. He would just say like, "Period. What are you doing today?" That's what? why I'm asking. That's not what I say. Hold on. Let's give an example. Yeah, let's give an example. So if you Google, actually, you're giving up a lot of information right now. Let's just let's just talk about Nate Nate Perry's Twitter feed. So if you, if you Google why you do that is people that follow other people that do not follow you, when you put a period in front of it, other people can see it because you're skipping the algorithm. But I thought that was only if you were adding somebody. You might need to do some research on that. It, am I wrong? I think yeah, it's only when you, because you can't add somebody because it'll just go to them. But when you put yeah. the period, then everybody can see it. But I will say, That's Nate. My point. So Claude, so Claude and I are on the same page. You are not, Lee. No, Claude and I are on the same page. You are you are hitting the period before just a letter, like your your pin tweet today. Period. Wish I were swinging the sticks today, which I would one hundred percent agree with. But you could have tweeted that without the period in it. It wouldn't made a difference. Now, now, if you were saying period at Leroy Nielsen. Wish I were swinging the six today. That would, oh, that that would go to all your followers. Yeah, then you'd be good to go. Oh, okay. God, there's a little life lesson for you. All right, Nate, thanks for the, uh, the business insight. Now let's get to the fun stuff. Uh, we played in a little sucker cup or superintendent's revenge or whatever they call those at golf courses uh, at Honey Creek and Boone. Um, I will tell you the, the one thing I remember about that day is that's how you got the nickname of little Nate uh, compared to big Nate. Nate, what do you remember about that day? Actually the best, the best part of my day was Brian's wife, Colleen and that egg baked breakfast that she made. (laughs) Yeah. We got pretty spoiled. We had a nice little breakfast before we left town. Yes. I mean, that was a drive across the state by far. I mean, other than that, you know, I, I, was, I was shanking them left and right. Was, was it some, something to do with your wedding, Lee? I can't remember where we were at, but I remember we were talking to your wedding. And because this was in October, maybe. Uh-huh. And so we were talking at your wedding. We're like, hey, let's go play in the sucker pen up at Honey Creek and Boone. And it's going to be a great time. And, you know, you, me, Big Nate, and then all of a sudden, Little Nate wanted in. And so we're like, yeah, let's take <laughs> Little Nate with us, too. Um, this will be fun. This will be a good time. As you mentioned, we went and had uh, we had breakfast at my house before we headed up to Boone. Piled in Nate's car, all four of us, and head up to Boone. Um, like I said, in October, so fall up there. If any of you have played at Honey Creek, you kind of know a little bit about the landscape. Um, at the time, we did not. I don't think any of us had been up there yet. Um, so we had really no idea, had heard good things about the course, but we get up there. Um, yeah, it was okay. You know, it was, it was one of those things where we were, we were trying to kind of figure it out. Obviously, we'd all played in plenty of golf tournaments, but we'd never been there. They have uh, basically a double wide for a clubhouse. but um, <laughs> It kind of pissed me off. But... <laughs> and we get in there, and they have the course it's fall, so it's chilly. They have all that shit going on and um, get signed up, get ready to go. Big Nate rolls up in jeans and I mean, we all play a lot of golf but playing but golf it was probably jeans. it was probably jeans and the collared shirt he wore out the night before though in his defense well i don't know if he thought well he heard boone and he was thinking uh dirt track or if he thought golf or what well, i'm pretty sure he just thought dubuque straight up dubuque i played in enough tournaments or the same tournament in enough years at Dubuque. Like, jeans are – that's a pretty high-class thing at some golf courses. Man, I still – I just he could not – did not have jeans on. Yeah, he did. I 100% – I still see – like Lee said, the photos will come up. And 
rocking jeans and that Titleist stocking cap. Like yeah, yeah. I do remember the stocking cap. Yeah, it was a pretty fun day, though. But but honestly, the one thing I want to talk about from this tournament is, you guys remember that par four we get to, and I would have absolutely no clue as to which hole that is. But we roll up, and and it is carts upon carts just backed up. Hey, what's going on? Well, this pin is really tough. Yeah, so, you know, we're, we are backed up a long ways. And, and we go and play it, and, and the, the green wasn't the tough part for us. It was actually getting to it because we were, if I remember correctly, still off the green after three shots. Was and that the one that hit, you hit downhill? The, the pin was kind of like the – I don't know the golf term for it, but it was basically up on top of a mound like a, a, a mini golf course. And, and so we're at, we have a 20 footer, you know, up this mound that basically if you don't make it on the other side of this mound, it it just goes off the other way. And Brian's our first putter and gets up there and makes it. We're like, Oh, great par. Like we got some strokes back on everybody. And, and then we, we finished the rest of the round and we turn in our scorecard and there's nothing worse. I'm pretty sure than a bogey on that hole. How does that happen? Well, I don't understand too, because remember like the beer cart girl and everybody was talking about like these 10 putts and these 13 mm-hmm. putts. And like you said, we, I think it was 13. It was, I think it was either 12 or 13. We were on that hole for an hour. Like we hit, yes. we couldn't hit for 30 minutes and then we hit and then we had to wait because the green was taking so long. Like people were taking so long on the green. Um, and so, yeah, we step up one putt. We feel pretty good about it. We're like, all right, this is – we're you know, we, we weren't playing our best golf, but we weren't playing bad. And, you know, felt pretty good. Turn in the scorecard, start looking at some of those scores coming in. And yeah, it's like, we got screwed. We got screwed. That six, was sketchy. Seven. Real sketchy. We're like, what, a 10 putt and you got you, – you marked a seven? I don't think there were any sevens. Honestly, I just remember there might have been a couple double bogeys, but – I'm pretty sure it was, it was a lot of bogeys and nothing worse. Yeah, but if memory serves me right, that group that won that part, they've been they're like a traveling team. Yeah, of, they of probably started. People. They probably started that whole of screwing uh, people. Yeah, exactly. That's how they win. I mean, that's pretty cool. I mean, if that's what makes you sleep good at night, but that was ridiculous because we sat on that hole forever, and we legitimately hit one putt we didn't one putt we actually hit only one single putt to make it and we didn't get any better score than anybody else well and i think so did we get second or third or did we miss the money by one or something i can't remember we we missed the money i can tell you that for sure and i think we i think we just missed the money because we were looking at scores and we thought that we were going to be in a decent position and we were until these guys brought their scorecard in and it was stupid low like i can't yeah. remember what it was and right and, and i remember we stuck around only for the fact to see who won it because we're like this there's no way anyone could shoot that and when those guys went up there to get the uh to get their winnings nobody like clapped like well i mean claude you don't remember when lee held me back when i wanted to knock this guy out oh please i mean seriously let's talk about this though what are your guys' feelings on best shots when you don't play with anybody else? Hate it. I think it's the most ridiculous thing in the world because obviously there's a sense of uh, professionalism and honesty in the game of golf, and there always should be, and I get that. But more from a competitive side. Like, you're, you're thinking as long as we beat these guys, you know, mm-hmm. we're doing all right. And it, and it just fires you up, and it allows you to kind of – uh, go back and forth and, and get after it. So I, and I don't understand on why or what the theory is behind not putting two groups. You still got the same amount of carts. It's not going to take any longer. Um, you know, it allows for some side bets and some fun to happen. So I don't understand why, why they've gone to just one group. Nate, best shots. Do you want to play with somebody or not? Best shot? Yeah. Do you, do you want to have another group with you or no? No. You don't. See, I, Brian, I will say this. I think this is a lot closer to 50-50 than, than you and I would want to think because I'm 100% with you. Like, I want to play with somebody else, not only so that I see what somebody else shoots, but so that 
they know that that's what we shot. Right. So, yeah, I mean, there's a ton, a ton that goes into that. You want to know what's going on. And I, here's the other thing. And the most best shots that I play in are from a business side. And so that's the other thing that bugs me is that, like, we go and we play in these outings, and I'm playing with three guys I already know. Like, it really doesn't benefit me a whole lot. I'd rather meet four new guys, you know, get things going with them and, and have a little competition on the holes as opposed to just going around and playing our own round of golf. Well, I just want to do the opposite of you guys. Hey, that's what we're that. that's, You've done that forever. <laughs> There's been a lot of talks uh, down at the bar at the old uh, split level that uh, this was the, the reoccurring theme. 49.05. Man, Nate and I put that basement together. I mean, put it together. After I a mean, case of beer. That, okay. I, I'm not going to argue with that, but Nate, let's let's be honest. That Super Bowl party we hosted, there was definitely a child conceived that night. Oh, from the neighbors, yes. Yeah, right across the street. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's a that's a pretty nine, important party you put on at that point. Nine months later, yes. Yeah, exactly. So I they mean, were say, very appreciative of that party, as they should be. There was a child made from it. Can't go wrong with that. Hey. uh Nate, so um, when you show up to a course, what is yes. your normal routine, or what do you have to do first? What do you what What's the deal when you show? No, up? my big deal is um, beef jerky. <laughs> a beef get, grab a couple a bag of beef jerky and a six yeah, pack. Yeah, I gotta get a I gotta get a couple bags of beef jerky. Um, <laughs> why are you guys laughing? You strike any putts? You make any practice swings? No, I'm good. I'm I'm pretty loose. Beer? You got to grab a six pack or anything, or just beef jerky all day? No, just a couple beers and a little beef jerky. There's nothing wrong with that, really. I mean, I would say, uh, you know, I, my my follow up question to this would always be, what would a pro think if they watched your warm-up routine when you show up for a golf tournament or just the day of golf um i would do like the back you know like the back and forth with yeah. the driver yeah put it behind your back and like rotate a little bit and show them how flexible <laughs> you are yes yeah, yeah i can appreciate that well, totally um i'm not a big guy of going to the putting green i'm like why do that because every every putting green reads differently. So that's kind of a lost exercise to me, but yeah. Lee, what do you do? Lee, what do you do when you go to the putting green? Screwdriver. That's what I do. That's what I do. But then I do the old, what was his name? <laughs> uh, Jay Haas. Jay Haas. So, so Brian and I, a long time ago. From Purdue? <laughs> We happened to turn on a, a golf channel uh, tidbit at one point in our basketball camp days. And Jay Haas basically said, like, you're wasting your time hitting 10 footers. Go out, hit 50 footers, get the speed of the green. And so basically, oh. I just go out to a, a putting green and I just blast putts. I, I think 50 feet is probably undershooting it a little bit. I, I try to make the longest putt I can. And so I just, I just go out there and just rip putts from, from a long way. It's like if I hit a couple feet on the way by, that's fine. Got to get the speed. It's all about speed. All about the speed. Well, especially if you're playing in a best shot or something. I mean, you're never going to putt twice anyway. No, you're not going to make any three-footers. No, no reason sure. to work on those. No. Hey, Nate, uh, last time we were on this podcast, we talked a little bit about the, the Northwood Country Club, or as I like to call it, the Nasty Nine. And uh, we played that course together a few times. Um, times. What are your feelings? What are your feelings about that place? Well, my last feeling about that course was you and I playing together and you took my golf club, golf club, and threw it up in the tree of uh, after hole one. Got stuck, didn't it? Yeah, why were you let, – let me ask you this. Why were you so mad? That was probably the – that was 
I was probably just showing you where you need to hit your next shot. <laughs> no, that, it's a fun course, pretty flat. Although I will say, um, Lee will never recognize this, but I think it was hole seven. I, uh, horse race. Yeah. Yeah. We talked a little, a little bit about the horse race and I think it's a really undervalued, uh, game that you can play while golfing. And especially after a best shot, I mean, to, to get that together where you have another partner to play and honestly, you, you may play, you know, another nine holes if you make it that long, but you know, what a pretty cool game to play when you get done with a tournament. Well, you, yeah, you tried to match me up with one of my ex-girlfriends, but (laughs) (laughs) sounds like a Lee move. (laughs) I'm just trying to just make life happen the way it should happen. But you remember on hole seven in the rain? I do. I do. I knew you were going to bring this up. <laughs> so why are you downplaying it? Because it was a nice shot. It was a really nice shot. So why don't you tell the, why don't you tell everybody about it? You did jam it in there pretty tight. And it's probably the best shot you've hit in your life. And I did not hit a shot that well. So, of course, that just sticks in my mind even more but it was i i gotta admit that was a really nice shot with that we're, let's transition over to whose career would you rather have um as we take a look here gotta recap our last episode we went uh we went fred funk versus david duvall and split decision here on the pod between lee and i um between the two i uh i went with the the man making more money than fred funk and what lee's gonna refer to him as a short knocker and uh lee went with uh 100 mile an hour david duvall won uh one iconic year and um a quick decline but uh our twitter followers had uh had a had a different feeling on that lee yeah i'm i'm a little little sad that we have so many short knockers as the followers of our of our podcast or at least the ones that voted um I i was a little surprised that that was how it went but um yeah, I, I'm a little, uh, little scared when when we bring up this next two people because there isn't an easy answer with it. No, there really isn't. So as we look, um, got a little bit younger uh, as far as the demographic here, and 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 very close. I mean, we're splitting hairs here between um, our two golfers and the two golfers that we're gonna we're gonna debate over tonight are going to be Jason Duffner and Keegan Bradley. Um, very similar careers as you take a look. Uh, Duffner, five wins, Bradley, four. They both have a major. Ironically enough, it's the PGA Championship for both of them. Um, and career earnings are, are very close to each other, and so not a ton of difference there. And so this is a little bit of a tough decision. It might uh, come down to some extracurriculars um, with this one. But, Lee, who, who do you have and whose career are you taking? Yeah, I think when I, when I watch Duffner, that's definitely my uh... – my pick as far as personality goes, but Keegan Bradley is, is a part of the, the Phil Mickelson cash game. And I'm a big uh, believer in throwing something down while you're playing. And I've heard those games are pretty incredible. So, you know, you, you think about how close they are in, in their careers. I have a tough time not picking the one that's uh that's playing some cash games with Phil at the end of the day. Yeah, it's tough to, it's tough to go against that. And so we have one for Keegan Bradley. Um, Nate, what do you, what do you have on this? Uh, what are you thinking? Duffner or Bradley? Bradley all the way. Cause he's a Red Sox fan or cause he uses a belly putter or what? Oh, wow. You, yeah, belly putter all the way. I've been trying to work on that. I've never understood it. The belly putter? Yeah. Well, it's not legal anymore either. Uh-huh. You can't anchor it anyway. You can still use it. You just can't anchor it to your body. Well, anyway, the reason why I like uh, Bradley is because uh, Duffner had the meltdown versus Bradley in 2011. And I don't like people that uh, – you know, have meltdowns versus their competition. That that was a big meltdown. Though. I mean, we're talking 
No, no. Five, five shots. Major meltdown. Like, I, I don't like it. Like, yeah, that, that's five shots in three holes, which ended up being the case. I mean, that's a, yeah, that's you a can't pretty close big the deal. You can't close the deal. Figure it out. So we have two, two for Bradley. Um, switches over to me here as I take a look. As I mentioned before, they're so close. Um, and nine out of 10 times, I'm going to go with the money. And so in this case, Duffner would be, uh, the, the earnings oh, leader God. between the two, but there's a certain wild card, um, between these golfers that's going to swing me the other way. And I actually have to go Keegan Bradley and join your guys' camp. And, uh, the big reason behind that is because one of his main sponsors is Jordan brand. And so he's getting exclusive J's. He's got, uh, all the, all the cleats, um, the spikes, that he's getting as well as exclusive J's that he's wearing to the course. And so you guys know, I'm kind of now more a retired sneakerhead. but if, if I have an inside track to not only a relationship with Jordan himself, but uh, some of the exclusive kicks, um, I got a tip towards Keegan Bradley. Well, and you're the, you're the Jordan expert here. There's no question about that. I, I will say when I was a, a kindergarten and first grader, I tried a wrestling, which if you've ever seen how I'm built, wrestling is a, a pretty terrible thing for me to be. Um, but I wore all these Jordan gear uh, to, to wrestling tournaments. And now, mind you, I got second place in multiple, multiple That's wrestling tournaments. No, no, I did. I did. I did. I'm no pretty way. sure. I'm pretty sure when I, when I got beat, the final time I left my Jordans out on the map. <laughs> well, I want to thank everybody. If you've uh, hung on this long to listen, uh, we appreciate you coming along with the journey. Um, we got a lot of things coming, obviously excited about having Nate on with us tonight. Nate, we appreciate you joining us. Excited to uh, continue to have guests on here, people to come and join and be part of the pod. Um, we want to hear from you. So if you get an opportunity uh, follow along with us, hit the, hit the subscribe button, follow the pod, stay in the loop. Uh, any way that you want to interact with us, we'd, we'd appreciate and love to hear from you. Yeah, thanks again, Nate, for, for doing this. I mean, I know it's not not easy to hop on and, and carve out some time to, to do that with us, but we're pretty pretty appreciative of, of having some other insights on, on this podcast. And um, make sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Two Putt Pod and uh, we're excited to have some more guests as we get going and um, any, any type of uh, subject you want us to talk about, we'd be more than happy to do it.